Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It's not possible that any of this is happening. That Kyle Rittenhouse took a stand in his own defense. That Kyle Rittenhouse comes across as beyond credible. And how the prosecution now going after Kyle Rittenhouse didn't know they couldn't question him about the law and whether or not he was allowed to possess an AR-15 at his age. Literally just moments ago, the judge telling the prosecution, you can't ask him about the law. We'll instruct the jury about the law. You can only ask him about what he was doing. You can't ask him about whether or not he broke the law by carrying a firearm. That's not germane to the conversation. This is out of control. The past hour and a half has been insane because I don't think anybody was ready for Kyle Rittenhouse to take the stand in his own defense, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, so good to be with you. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, I want you to hear it. And I got to break it down for you. It's Kyle Rittenhouse. He was there in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The riots took place after the shooting of Jacob Blake, who didn't listen to police officers and got shot. That's on Jacob Blake. Why was Kyle Rittenhouse there? Was he protecting people? Was he trying to help people? He had his AR-15. He got attacked by multiple people. He shot and killed two people who attacked him and a third person who attacked him, who on the stand admits that Kyle Rittenhouse wasn't attacking until this guy pointed his gun at Kyle Rittenhouse. He said that on the stand, he got injured. Kyle Rittenhouse takes the stand. It's a scene, dude. It is a scene to the point... Where uh, let me, I'll start with this, where Kyle Rittenhouse breaks down. I, once I take that step back, I look over my shoulder and Mr. Rosenbaum, Mr. Rosenbaum was now running from my right side. Um, and I was cornered from in front of me with Mr. Zeminski. And there were there were three people right there. That's what I. That's what I run. We're gonna just take it. Time for our break anyway. You, you can. Uh... And the judge calls for a ten-minute recess. That just all just happened. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. Sh- we were actually recording it live because it was happening. We couldn't believe it. Why is Kyle Rittenhouse taking the stand in his own defense? This is open and shut. The prosecution has done a horrible job. We're like, we got to take it. And so we we ended up recording a whole bunch of it early. I'm going to share it with you a little bit later. Like the whole thing, you'll hear him break down what happened. And you're like, he comes across totally credible. But he broke down in tears. And now you've got the prosecution asking the questions. Now, this is happening live. So producer Ari's got his finger on the dump button. But these th- the, he's quoting what happened and what people said to him. Cops who told him to get the blank home and people who were screaming to blank and kill him. Listen. 
Uh, the understanding was based on um, when we would go up north, uh, we were, it was me, Dominic, and my sister, and we were allowed to carry the rifles around, and the officers over there said it was fine. Um, I'm going to move to strike this hearsay to what officers would have told you us. You asked a question on what the, what the source of this knowledge was. It, it's not admissible, and none of this is, frankly, and that's why I interrupted before. Um, what the what the defendant believes the law to be, what the district attorney believe, believes the law to be, what uh, the defense believes the law to be, are irrelevant. I will tell you when I instruct you what the law of Wisconsin is pertaining to the possession of a firearm by a person under 18, uh, and that'll be the source of your knowledge. I'm allowing the testimony right now because it bears on uh, um, there's an old maxim under the law of ignorantia juris non excusa. Ignorance of the of the law is not an excuse. We have been. This is insane. When we started, I said here was the prosecution trying to lecture about what the law is and whether or not Kyle Rittenhouse was allowed to have the firearm, and the judge saying that doesn't matter. And we talk and we're sharing what's going on, and we go back to it. And they're doing it again. Are you telling me the prosecution's only case is to say, well, Rittenhouse shouldn't have been allowed to have that firearm? Which is translated saying, well, Rittenhouse should be dead. This prosecution is a mess and has now been excoriated by the judge twice. And what you heard there at the end was the judge giving the jury the instructions. I will tell you what the law is, and then you can go from there. Not the defendant, not the prosecution, and not the defense. Me, the judge, I'll give you what the law is. Holy cow, this is bad. Guy Relford is a Second Amendment lawyer in the Indianapolis area, host of a radio show, The Gun Guy Show. He is with us next. Why would you take the stand? In one of these cases, and exactly what is the prosecution doing? That's all coming up. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. So here we have Kyle Rittenhouse taking the stand. We have the prosecution asking him questions, which... Well, very much about his AR-15, as if they want to somehow make that the centerpiece of, of their cross-examination? What does is, what is the firearm real, really matter? Why, why is that even a conversation? Now it's a conversation about the training that Rittenhouse had as an EMT. You are not a member of the Antioch Fire Department, correct? I was a member of the cadet program, which was through the fire department. So you'd go out and fight fires? We can go on ride-alongs, but we can't go into burning buildings for liability reasons. You'd go out there and you'd save people from burning buildings? Not me personally. Because as a cadet, they would never let you anywhere near that, right? They wouldn't let any of the cadets go into an actual live fire. At the end of whatever this program is, you weren't actually going to be an official firefighter, were you? No, it's to help prepare you for the firefighter academy, firefighter EMT academy. And you weren't going to be an EMT at the end of this program either, were you? No, 
know that to be an EMT, you have to be 18 and a high school graduate, correct? Uh, depending on the state in Illinois, you can take a class at the college at 16 and you can have your EMT license by the age of 17. I wasn't in that class, but in Illinois you can. You never did any of that? No, I was online school. The night of August 25th, you're here in Kenosha, Wisconsin saying you're an EMT, correct? Yes. That was a lie? Yes. You were also telling people you were 18 or 19 years old. That was a lie too, right? No, I didn't tell anybody my age that night. You never volunteered it at all, did you? I didn't. Because you knew as a 17-year-old you shouldn't have been there, right? No, I just didn't find it relevant to give my name. Well, I gave my name but my age to anybody. It just not, it wasn't something that came up in conversation. It's because you felt if people found out how old you were, they'd realize you shouldn't have been there, right? No, it just because it didn't come up in conversation. If somebody would have asked, I would have been like, yeah, I'm 17. So now I don't know if this is a prosecution just wants to put into the jury's head that Oh, look at all the ways he shouldn't have been there. Look at all the things that happened. If he just wasn't there, none of this would have happened. This is all his fault. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today. Guy Relford joins us right now from the Relford Law Offices, R-E-L-F-O-R-D, RelfordLaw.com. He is also an expert on the Second Amendment. He is a Second Amendment lawyer. He hosts the Gun Guy Show on 93.1 FM WIBC and not only trains people in proper use of, of firearms, he is also seen regularly on uh, uh, television across the country discussing the issues before we get to anything guy relford the key question here is why in the world is kyle rittenhouse on the stand the prosecution has done a miserable job they have failed on every level and this to a, to the observer is an open and shut case so your take on the case up until this moment and why is rittenhouse there well, I'll tell you, Tony, it was a surprise to me um, that he took the stand today. But I can tell you exactly what the equation is, the balancing process that a defense lawyer goes through in making that decision. In a self-defense case, your your client, the defendant, is much more likely to be a necessary witness uh, for this reason. And that is the, the, the defense of self-defense requires two things. It requires a subjective belief, that is, what is actually in your head, that force, in this case deadly force, is necessary to prevent serious bodily injury or death. So you have to actually have that subjective belief in your head. Secondly, that subjective belief belief has to be objectively reasonable. In other words, would a hypothetical reasonable person have had the same belief under the same circumstances? It's, it's often difficult for a defense lawyer to be confident that the jury is going to know what was in his client's head unless the client tells them. Um, however, competing against that factor is that notwithstanding the fact that subjective belief in the mind of your client is very relevant, in fact, is critical in a self-defense case, the state still has the burden of proving beyond a reasonable doubt that a person did not act in self-defense. And here... The prosecution has been absolutely miserable uh, in its case in chief in disproving the claim of self-defense. Virtually every witness they put on on that issue actually fortified uh, the defense's position on self-defense. So going into the 
into the defendant's case in chief, I really felt like they were way ahead. The prosecutor had clearly not met its burden. So it is a surprise to me that Rittenhouse is on the stand. The only way you can justify it, and I, I won't put myself in the, in the shoes of these lawyers, is, is if they've done a, a lot of very extensive preparation with him and talking with him, and they're confident that the downside, that is he's going to say something on cross-examination that dramatically hurts him and shifts the tide, um, the downside um, does in this case is so minimal because they're confident in him as a witness that they're going for that positive side, which is to establish what his subjective beliefs were in the, in, 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 under the circumstances. And secondly, if he's a likable person and even the more he's cross-examined, he just comes across as somebody that the, the, the jury wants to, to vote in favor of. Well, they also, I mean, the prosecution was able to get him to say that he lied on the stand yeah. about claiming to be an yeah. EMT when he's not an EMT. Now, I I don't think that that is so germane to the idea of uh, having shot these people and the, the circumstances by which shooting these people. But it's clear from, from what we just heard, they're trying to set up the idea uh, that here is this guy who lied about being there and did everything he could to lie about being there because he wanted to hurt people. I s- assume that's what the prosecution's going for. Well, to some degree, but any time on cross-examination you can get a witness to admit that he or she lied, then that casts doubt on their credibility. Because why? They're alive. Ah, lost guy, Relford. We will try and get him back. But he's absolutely right. You have the opportunity to create a massive liability for yourself by going on the stand. And I would still argue that uh, Guy Relford's point, uh, RelfordLaw.com, is taken that you don't know what's in somebody's head unless they tell you. But the risk, I think, is too great. And this prosecutor, I will tell you, comes across as a comes across as a jerk. Now, Guy Relford, glad we got you back on. The 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 prosecution here, which has done a terrible job in this Rittenhouse case. Uh, in this case of Kyle Rittenhouse, the shootings that took place after the shooting of Jacob Blake by police, which I think was a an acceptable shooting. He did not listen to police. He had a knife in his hand. There were kids in the car. He was reaching into the car, a whole series of things. The prosecution has done a terrible job. And one of the things that the prosecution, I assume, has to worry about is how they are viewed to a jury because we're dealing with, with humans and human emotions. And it doesn't seem to me like this prosecution... And this prosecutor today comes across as somebody who is, uh, well, likable. So here is Rittenhouse taking the stand. We know what the risk is for Rittenhouse. What's the risk for the prosecution? Well, it's huge because um, just like a witness's credibility is is critical, uh, certainly a defendant's credibility is if they take the stand, you know, as a lawyer, either the prosecution or defense, you're credibility is is key as well and one thing i like to say in jury trials during opening statement is i like to say i'm going to make a series of promises to you in this opening statement um, as to what the evidence will prove in this case and i want you to hold me accountable for those promises but i want you to listen to the state's promises that they make you in their opening statement and hold them accountable too and and in this situation when the prosecution got up and said they were going to prove through this 
uh, FBI surveillance video what happened and that was going to disprove self-defense. It did just the opposite. When they said what their uh, witnesses, including the so-called victim, this Grosskreutz, what he was going to say was going to establish it was not self-defense. He did just the opposite. And a jury, whether they're, they're explicitly invited to by the defense counsel or otherwise, they hold counsel, including the prosecution, accountable for those promises when they don't deliver. And here, the prosecutors have a huge problem with that. And let me play this for you. This was uh, one of the things that we missed. This is the judge excoriating the the the, the, the prosecution. You need to account for this. Your Honor, I don't want to jury here. He's commenting on my client's right to remain silent. No, Your Honor, I am making the point that after hearing everything in the case, now he's tailoring his story to what has already been introduced. The problem is, this is a grave constitutional violation for you to talk about the defendant's silence. And that is, and, and, the, and you're right, you're right on the, you're right on the borderline. And you may, you may be over, but uh, it better stop. You are a lawyer, Guy Ralford. You have dealt with these cases. You have dealt with these juries in 60 seconds or less. You're in the jury and you hear the judge say that. What are you thinking? I'm thinking this is a guy who's losing his case. Uh, he cannot recover it based on the law or the evidence. And so now he wants to play outside the rules, and I'm going to hold him accountable for that. And and, and anything I might have been swayed uh, by uh, as far as what this attorney has said to me in the past uh, during this trial, I'm going to be more, much more likely to discount because he's just lost that much additional credibility. This risk may have paid off for, for Rittenhouse, but, man, they got to try and get him off the stand as quickly as possible so nothing bad does happen. But this prosecution is a mess, and we will get into another time how it is that we see so many prosecutors when they're finally pushed to actually having to do the job as opposed to bullying somebody into a conviction, they fail. This this has happened more than once, and we will get in into it. Guy Relford, I appreciate you taking the, the, the time. Second Amendment attorney, Guy Relford, RelfordLaw.com. I have got more on this and this crazy vaccine mandate hysteria that just continues. Plus, uh, the, the Rittenhouse cases. I mean, I got to share it with you, right? And I'm going to. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. This is nuts. The prosecutor is arguing with the judge in the Rittenhouse case. Literally, the judge just had to say to the prosecutor, don't get brazen with me. They're arguing about what the case is about while Kyle Rittenhouse is on the stand, which is amazing enough. I wasn't planning on doing this today, guys. This is Broadway. I got to bring it right to you. This is the judge. This is the prosecutor. This is the voice of the judge right here. Tony Katz, by the way. Tony Katz today. Listen, I'll fill you in in a second. So I don't, I commented at the time, I don't see the similarity, and I don't see the similarity now. 
if it's not similar, that's that's the whole rule. Those are all the exceptions to 90404. Check the authorities. We more on evidence. Judge Weinstein, Colonel McCormick. It's the crime, the prior act has to bear the signature of the accused, or it has to be so similar as to suggest it's a common plan or something like that. You have an incident where he's making comments about some alleged shoplifters versus crimes that involve instantaneous actions, whether premeditated murder or whether self-defense. But I don't see the similarity. I said it couldn't come in, and it isn't coming in, no matter what you think. Number two, I, I have to be concerned that with what Mr. Richards has said about the, the, the progress of the trial, and, and um, when, when you were way, well, I said you were over the line, in, uh, close to, or over the line on commenting on the defendant's pretrial silence, which is a well-known rule. I, 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 I'm astonished that that would have been an issue. So I don't want to have another issue as long as this case continues. Is that clear? It is. Thank you. I ask the jury to come back in, please. So now the jury is coming back in. I'm sorry. I thought some of that was happening in front of the jury. That's nuts. You already had the the prosecutor get excoriated by the judge earlier because here's the prosecution saying that the silence of Kyle Rittenhouse is somehow unacceptable. Then you had the prosecutor trying to argue what the trial was actually about. And now you have the judge saying, first, don't get brazen with me. Don't lecture to me. You're stepping over the line. It's not my fault that you can't prosecute this case. On Twitter, I was talking about it. And I said, the prosecutor is arguing with the judge and interrupting the judge. I'm no expert on courts of law, but as an outsider looking in, this judge is going to blow. And it seems that I I, I, I was kind of right as, as you heard the judge. And now I've got somebody saying to me that they're, you know, uh, they're a defense lawyer who's been practicing for three years. And they, I don't know what I'm talking about. I literally said I'm not an expert. I'm watching this like you are. Well, the prosecutor has to try and do what the prosecutor has to try and do, if you mean that, producer Ari. Yeah, I was just saying, like, you try everything if you're on if you're a prosecutor. So I don't blame him for trying everything. But the trying everything proves that they have nothing. And that's the story here. That they have absolutely positively nothing. They have no case at all. And that needs to get recognized and discussed. And we need to ask ourselves, if they indeed have nothing, then why did they bring the case to begin with? Now, this we have not gotten into. So so allow me. Allow me. Um, the prosecutor didn't have a choice. The prosecutor didn't have an option. 
the prosecutor was going to face much more derision for not taking the case than for taking it. Because to not take the case or to not or, or to say there was really no um, uh, case that we can make. Well, what kind of response was that going to lead to? What kind of attack was that going to become? What kind of uh, a jeopardy were they putting themselves in? Did they know about all of those people who are engaged in doxing of the jury or trying to dox the jury, claiming you don't come up with the right decision, we're going to riot there too? Maybe someone's life on the line. You don't think that's possible? No, you absolutely know that's possible. You know it for fact. So one has to ask themselves, what is it that they are actually, actually watching here? Now, I've got some people discussing how the prosecution's looking for a mistrial. I don't say no to that because they would like to, they would like to do this thing over because it's so bad. I don't think they want any part of this anymore. And I want to be sure I'm clear about something. I am not somebody who looks at Kyle Rittenhouse and and is like, you know, I, I this guy is 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 my guy. I didn't like him being there, but that's a very personal thing, as I've discussed. It has nothing to do with the case, and nothing to do with whether he could have been there. Of course, he could have been there. This all happened after the stabbing, uh, not the stabbing, the shooting of Jacob Blake. Black man shot by police. Uh, he was uh, violating a restraining order. He wasn't listening to police. He had a knife in his hand. Kids in the car when he reached into the car and police shot him. I feel nothing for Jacob Blake. He uh, did not listen to anything. And it wasn't a bad shoot. And there are bad shoots in this world. So I never really had anything for uh, Kyle Rittenhouse other than... Uh, it was clear from some video footage that he was under attack. And certainly, as this trial has shown, he was definitely under attack. And as we've heard from witness testimony, he was completely under attack. And I wasn't even going to carry this today. But I didn't know he was going to take the stand in his own defense. I had no idea he was going to take the stand. I was like, all right, you got to hear this. I'm going to share more with you later. Holy cow. I mean, it's something else. Because yeah, I wanted everyone to hear it. They come in at different times. But this, this... This prosecutor, this prosecutor has, uh, has put an end to this before it begins. There's nothing here. I don't know if it's going to lead to more uh, back and forth between him and the judge. I have absolutely no idea. But the idea that somehow this is all about the prosecution looking for a mistrial, nah. I, I mean, I had thought that in the beginning, but first, again, not an expert. And, and secondly, I don't want to play uh, that I'm an expert. I think that the prosecution is going to say, Though the judge didn't allow us to do X, Y, and Z and leave it at that. I just don't think they want it again. That's all. Let's get back to some of this questioning of Kyle Rittenhouse. To um, Sam, right? Correct. And you texted him and asked him uh, if you could protect his business that night, correct? I did. And in that text, you said, I'm more than willing and will be armed, correct? Yes. You meant you'd be armed with your AR-15? Yes. And you said that me and my brother would both be there armed, correct? Yes. By your brother, you meant Dominic? Yes. He's obviously not legally your brother. No. And you said in the text, I just need address. Do you recall that? Yes. Why did you need the address of a location you'd already been to? 
Um, I just wanted to like pinpoint it and on the Google Maps because uh, GPS, because you know with all the all the roads were closed down in Kenosha, I just wanted to know the best route to drive there with Dominic. But you just told us that you drove past here every day up and down Sheridan. Why did you need GPS to help you find a place that you drive past every day? The roads weren't closed when I drove past them every day. But you still knew where you were going, right? Sort of, but with like the back roads. I... Okay, so let's talk about the roads being closed. What do you mean by that? Well, Sheridan Road was closed off, and I I'm trying to remember. I don't think... There, there are a lot of roads closed off. So if it's about trying to say you knew where you were going, you knew what you were doing, you knew you were going to commit acts of violence, you knew you were going to go try and, and hurt people, isn't that why you went? All right, best of luck with that. <laughs> From the prosecution. Let's move it over to Bill de Blasio. I know, I'm a giver. <laughs> that is the worst that is the worst segue in the history of radio, cats. What are you talking about? Bill de Blasio wants to double down and triple down on vaccines. Crazy about you getting a vaccine. Crazy about your kid getting a vaccine. Wants everybody to get a vaccine. And wants you to know that getting a vaccine, well, that's, that's, the, that's the way to freedom. You know, what is freedom? Freedom is the ability to go out there, live your life, have your job, be with the people you love. We were deprived of that for most of two years. Right. And vaccination actually gave us back that freedom. And I think people are going to realize as they see these mandates work. Wait a minute. That's actually the thing we wanted. Yeah. So in order to be free, you have to be vaccinated. There is such a World War II Germany vibe to that. It's hard to not notice. Where does this fascination come from, this, this, um, this, this desire to say there's only one way to, to the right way? And that one way is a vaccine, especially for your five-year-old. What a thing. Because not only this, you, you've got de Blasio clearly saying that Children have to be vaccinated if they want to, you know, be a part of society in New York. At what point will you ask them to also start checking for vax cards for five to 11 year olds? That's a very good question. And honestly, one we need to focus on now. We wanted to get to the day where we actually could vaccinate the youngest New Yorkers and get that rolling. We know it'll take a while. I mean, right now, to use the example of the 12 to 17 year olds, very good news. We're almost at 79% of them. That's fantastic, but it did take a while. So it's a great question, Elizabeth. It's one I don't think we're going to uh, settle immediately because it will naturally take uh, a number of weeks for that age group to get vaccinated. But it's a question we need to answer for the weeks ahead, and we'll come back on that. So not only do you desire the vaccine in order to be a part of society, you desire children being vaccinated to be a part of society. And that's messed up. Every rational person knows that that is messed up. Look, I have seen people tweeting out 
about how happy they are, how thankful they are that their child is able to get vaccinated. What do I think? Well, I'm not their parents. What do I think? I think it's a little odd. I do. I, I, I 150% do. I don't get it. Now, let, let's also be clear. I don't have to. They're the parents. But you mean if my kid's not vaccinated, they're not, a, not allowed to be a part of society? The parents aren't legal. You're telling me I have to decide that the kid is legal and I have to pay them. That's what you do with DACA. That's what you do with DREAMers. But I, the parent, decide not to vaccinate my child. And my child is now labeled as guilty and not allowed in certain places? You know, I said this early on. They will get to the place, and you'll hear this from the Biden administration, shouldn't be able to go back to school. Shouldn't be able to go back to school unless your kid is vaccinated. Of course I expect to hear this. Why would I why would I not hear this? What would make me think that they won't say things like this? Oh wait, that's right, they already have. 600,000 new jobs every month. That's the average. And one more thing. Vaccinating our children will help us keep our schools open. Keep our kids in the classroom learning, socializing with their classmates and teachers. I think every reporter in this room who has a child understands the difference of a child going to school and having to learn from home. It matters. It matters in terms of their not just physical health and mental health. Now, during this pandemic, we've seen just how important being in school is for families and for our country. A year ago... And so that's why your kids have to be vaccinated so we can keep our schools open. Sorry about that. It was just kept playing. Of course they're like this. And now your kid has to be vaccinated to have any other part in in, in, uh, civilized life. You're not allowed to have a differing opinion. So these mandates are about something far greater than the concept of mandates. This is about proving how valuable the institutions are in society. That's what this is about. It is about stating clear as day that the institution shall not be questioned and that your government knows what's best. And in order to prove this to you so you do not question the government, we'll now keep your kids and therefore you out of a regular life. That's madness. That is diseased. Pure, raw disease from people who are convinced that you should not have any other say. I am not anti-vax, but these mandators, these mandators have pushed me into that category. Now, the truth is I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm not. But man, those people have a point. And really, the anti-mandate people, that's where I'm at, and that's where you are. That's where a lot of people are. These people are vicious and nasty and don't believe in a free society. They believe in a forced society. Well, we're supposed to object to them. And there ain't nothing more objectionable than Bill de Blasio. Maybe under Eric Adams, they have a chance to be a city again. And this guy's going to run for governor? Lord help us. I'm Tony Katz. Shh. 
Just I keep it light, stay out of the fight. No one's gonna listen to me. If I write a song, preaching what is wrong, will they let me sing on TV? Speaker Pelosi wants you to know, you know, that we in the United States are very, very proud of our president. We now have hundreds of friends. No, that's Mike Lindell. Friend of the show. <laughs> Use promo code Tony at MyPillow.com. That's weird. Hit the wrong video. She's at that climate conference and is telling everybody how proud we are of Joe Biden because he's been leading the charge on climate. Is anyone still thinking about this climate change conference? Well, they should be because they will decide something there that has a real effect in our lives, a very dangerous effect on our lives. We'll get into more of it, more of this Rittenhouse trial and Biden's commie love. Keep it here. I'm Tony Counts.